Hello and welcome as you join us on Search for Truth. Many thanks for tuning in. This week it's talk number five in our series about helping new Christians grow spiritually. Brian's called it Getting Acquainted with Our Guide. A couple of weeks ago, Brian emphasised the value of Bible study. So, true to form, near the start of today's study, Brian will be reading 16 verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you want to follow in your own Bible again, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 1 through to 16. But first, Brian will introduce our guide, who's the Holy Spirit. Thanks, John. So, let's suppose you've recently become a Christian and heard about the Holy Spirit. Let's begin by answering the question, who is the Holy Spirit? The simple answer is that the Holy Spirit is God. That much is clear from what we can now read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man, except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Think over what we've just read. Notice that the words God and Spirit are interchangeable. For example, in verses 4 and 5, the Spirit's power is also called God's power. And in verse 11, we read that the thoughts of God are fully known by the Spirit, which must make him one with God, the Father. The second thing we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit isn't some kind of impersonal force. He reveals, he searches, and he teaches us. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Be careful with that. He doesn't have to search the depths for himself, but only so that he might reveal those same depths to us. His searching is for our sake, not his own. The Spirit knows all the thoughts of God. Didn't verse 11 say, In the same way, nobody knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. That's identifying the Spirit with God. His role, as described here, 
is to teach us what God has freely given to us, which leads us on nicely to what the Holy Spirit does. But going back to the earlier verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we also find something else he does, which is he empowers us to share our testimony. In verse 3, Paul confesses that he came to the believers at Corinth in weakness and fear and trembling. It's because we're not qualified that we're given the Spirit's power to share the gospel with others. God's done a lot for us, but the Apostle Paul leaves us in no doubt as to what the most important thing is that God's done for us. He says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And linked to that work of the cross, in Romans chapter 5, we are told that the Holy Spirit was given to us to prove God's love and in chapter 8, his fatherhood. Just listen to these verses, Romans 5 and 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice how that takes us to the cross as the objective evidence of God's love for us. Then we read in chapter 8, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. In this way, the Bible informs us that the Holy Spirit makes clear to us both God's redemptive work at the cross and our relationship to God as being his children. When he was given to us, after we believed the gospel, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. This thought of sealing, which we find in Ephesians 1 and verse 13, this thought of sealing conveys the ideas of ownership and protection as well as our final destination. What's more, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 tells us about something else which happened when we first believed in Christ as our Saviour. We were baptised in the Holy Spirit into a position of having eternally secure membership of Christ's universal church, known as his body in the Bible. The same chapter develops how the Holy Spirit has also given each of us at least one spiritual gift, so as to help build up in faith or strengthen ourselves and other believers. The Bible refers to all true believers in the Lord Jesus as the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and each of us is given a gift or gifts which empowers us to function as a part of that body in some local expression of that universal church. We know we've been born of the Spirit, but it's also true that he lives in us. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus told his disciples that the Spirit had been with them and would now soon be in them. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to reside in us so as to teach us and to be our resident guide. So let's be quite clear. All true believers have the Holy Spirit living inside them from the moment that they became believers. Jesus knows our weaknesses and that we don't have in ourselves the strength that we need to follow him continually or to serve him. So he supplies us with the exact power we need. The Father strengthens us through the power of his Spirit in our inner being in order to appreciate more fully Christ's love and in the security of that knowledge to become the mature person God wants us to become. This includes being a witness 
Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And to be a witness means to testify that something is true. The disciples went out testifying that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God and Saviour of the world. When Peter and John were released from jail, where they had been held for their preaching, they gathered together with other disciples in the church and prayed. They prayed for boldness and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Read about that in Acts chapter 4. When Paul, who was previously called Saul, was first filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 9, he began to proclaim Jesus as the Son of God at Damascus. So it seems very clear that to be filled with the Spirit brings boldness in witnessing for Jesus. But how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? In Luke chapter 11 and from verse 11, Jesus says, Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That seems to be a simple lesson in asking and receiving, doesn't it? To attempt a very imperfect illustration, perhaps we could in some sense think reverently of the Holy Spirit as being like a power outlet in the wall of our house. The power is always there. All we have to do is to plug into it. And we do that by faith. When we ask, we are to believe that God will answer our prayer. In Ephesians 5 and verse 18, the Bible commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's better translated to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's talking about refills, or better still, a habitual experience. It's not just a one-time filling. But just as we're continually in need of God's power, For example, to witness, so when we ask, we get refills. The extent to which we make choices that honour God determines how filled we are with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is an act of the will, a conscious desire on our part. The filling of the Holy Spirit refers to our yielding our lives to be under God's gracious control. So, in a sense, the filling of the Spirit is not so much us having more of Him but it's about us allowing him to have more of us, more of our life submitted to his control. This seems contradictory and is at odds with the prevailing worldview, giving up control of your life in order to be in control. But it's a clear biblical concept, even as Jesus himself expressed it in Matthew chapter 10. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus said, will find it. Finally, A major concern of the Holy Spirit is to transform us to be like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. He also helps us to overcome the power of sin and evil. And he, that's the Holy Spirit, promotes unity among believers in the Lord Jesus but these are topics for following talks.
Now, I hope you enjoyed today's talk and found it to be helpful. If you'd like to receive one of the books for this current series of talks, please tell us and make sure to let us have your postal address. Ask for the booklet title, Helping New Christians Grow. And you can order by email or by post. And here's our contact details, so please make a note. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, Sierra November 4, 8 Delta Yankee, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may also be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks, which you'll see has been categorised to assist you to find what you're looking for. So, many thanks for the pleasure of your company once again, and I hope you can join us next week for another talk in this series, and it's about the great value of Christian fellowship. So until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. Tis he who tis.